How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to talk to my good friend, Jonathan Kendall, an executive investor, speaker, copywriter, author, and avid reader. Jonathan is currently the co-founder and COO of Lead Nurture, an all-in-one sales funnel and CRM software, as well as executive director of Virtual Worker Now, an international outsourcing agency. From 2008 to 2015, he was a published novelist, freelance business ghostwriter, and professional marketing copywriter. He then spent three years at MentorBox, first as an internet marketing and copywriting expert, then as an executive, and ultimately taking the role of CEO in his final year, helping scale MentorBox to 200,000 in recurring paying subscribers. In 2020, he served as an executive at Retail E-Commerce Ventures, where he helped raise over $100 million from accredited investors. This is going to be a good one. In this episode, we talk about the importance of building habits and skills for long-term success in entrepreneurship, why copywriting and marketing is the most important skill for business growth, the biggest mistake most entrepreneurs make that prevent them, them and their business from scaling, and how to be more of a Yoda and less of a Luke Skywalker as an entrepreneur. You'll want to see what that means. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com, to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm here with my new best friend, Jonathan Kendall. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. So I'm really excited to dig in with you because you've got a a, a great uh, history and pedigree as an entrepreneur uh, and a lot of the things that you're doing. I think you're going to have a lot of insight for our audience. But before I just kind of jump in, I'd love for everybody who doesn't know you uh, to get a little bit of a background on you, how you got into entrepreneurship, how you worked through the many companies that you've worked through, and now you know being a part of three major companies, COO, CEO, and executive director at uh, a handful of different companies. H- how did you become to be? Yeah, that's a good existential question. When I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a novelist, an artist. Uh, I studied philosophy at university, so I've always been kind of a you know big idea guy, big thinker, wanting to change the world. Uh, did the Kerouacian 20s, published a novel, worked as a journalist, realized wow. that there wasn't much money in that, uh, read the four-hour work week, turned that into copywriting, 
went to Mexico, arbitraged the peso to dollar currency, became a copywriter. Copywriter turned into entrepreneurship and digital marketing. Uh, I ended up working under you know, one of the best entrepreneurs, I would argue, of our generation, which is Alex Mayer, who was the co-founder of Zeusk, which is number one in the app store for multiple years and exited that company for a couple hundred million dollars. And so I got a massive competitive advantage, I would say, with you know, being a, uh, under his wing for three years yeah, in the grind. Amazing there. mentorship there, yeah. Absolutely. And so that turned into you know, MentorBox ended up having over 200,000 students. And I was the CEO of that company, fast forward, did a couple capital raises to scale. And then I worked for the parent company, Retail E-Commerce Ventures, helped them raise some money to acquire brands like Pier 1 Imports and Dress Barn and Radio Shack. Some people know those brands. And all the while, I was taking equity as a consultant in some other companies. And um, so then I started my own companies. Now I help companies raise money. I have a software company. And I also have a digital marketing agency with everything that I learned as well. So that's, that's the journey. Yeah, everything that you've learned through all of that different stuff. I'm sure you learned a little bit. So I, I want to go back before we get into these companies and, and you know, things like virtual worker now, lead, nurture, deal raise, things like that. Um, uh, let's talk about the 20s for a second, right? So I, I think, uh, you know, we have we have a decent amount of people that are probably listening to this that are in that stage of like, you know, I'm, I'm doing what everybody kind of told me to do. I'm trying to be, you know, follow my passion, but I'm not making any money. And like, what, what would your conversation to them be like? What would you, what advice would you give to them? I'd say it a combination of a few things. One, Gary Vee, be patient. You're still very young. Two, yeah. focus on the habits and the systems that you're implementing rather than the outcomes. When you're younger, you're no offense, but just not that good at whatever skill you need to be that good at because it takes repetitions. It's as simple yeah. as that. It takes a lot of repetitions. And just the same way that when you turn pro, if you're, let's say, an athlete when you're 22, the truth is that they've probably been practicing since they were six years old. So they're 15 yeah. years in, you start entrepreneurship or learning about e-commerce or whatever it is that you're doing when you're 22, 23, and now you're 27 and you think, oh, I can't believe I'm not a the decamillionaire, well, a multi-billionaire yeah, already. Yeah, it's been four years. Like, let's just chill out. Yeah, how good were you? If you even if you started playing baseball when you're six years old, how good are you when you're 11? That's I think the context there. So it's going to take a little bit, and you have to be obsessed and and dig into failure, lean into failure. I call them micro failures in my company. You don't want to do anything that's catastrophic, but yeah. Just learning over and over and over again every single day, obsessing over the process, realizing that you're not good enough yet, and that's okay. So just keep practicing, keep putting in the reps. And also try to attach whatever you are, whatever you're doing with a, a real big why. And your big why is not yourself. It might be your family. Mm. It might be your community. Can you expand on that a little bit? Anything that has to do with yourself, anything that has to do with acquiring possessions, anything that has to do with how people see you, uh, status, any of that is not going to 
push you when the going gets tough. It's going to, uh, it's not going to work. So I recommend that you attach your big Y to something outside of yourself. And the faster you can do that, the easier it is to do the necessary, difficult, habitual processes day by day in order to become like what Cal Newport says, so good they can't ignore you. So to answer the question, what would you, what would I give, what advice would I give to myself in my 20s? I would say that very much like Gary Vee, you have to be patient. The truth is that you're not skilled enough, probably, in the skill that you need to be skilled at in order to give value to the world. I would also say that you need to attach your identity to a bigger why than is often normal in your 20s. No offense, and this was for me as well. I think that you're less confident in yourself. You're still trying to make your way. You're still trying to establish an identity, uh, a foothold in the world of who I am. You notice older people know who they are and younger people are a little bit more insecure. And I think that's, I think, I think that, that almost results in like a need to prove your ego a little bit. Exactly. I think that's, where, that's where a lot of the impatience come from too, I think. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you're attaching the outcome to status or perceived status or validation from other people, rather than attaching your identity to, I am someone who is learning. I am someone who is trying to make the world a better place. I am someone who sacrifices for my team. I am someone who is willing to do the hard work necessary in order to improve. These types of foundations for your identity are basically impenetrable. Whereas if your identity is, I hope this girl likes me. I hope that this person gives me this many likes on my Instagram. I hope that this, then you're you're playing with quicksand. And yeah. especially when the going gets tough, when it inevitably will get tough, if you're trying to become an entrepreneur or even move quickly up the ladder of whatever company you're in, it's going to be very difficult to do the necessary, uh, overcome the necessary obstacles if you're not focused on a bigger why. Yeah, whole Simon Sinek start with why that idea. And, and like you mentioned, the why has to be not you, right? It has to be something bigger than yourself. And as soon as you do that, you'll have the energy to fight through the tough times, right? Um, so obviously you you at some point decide that, you know, being a novelist is not going to not gonna cut it for you. Obviously, that, I think for a lot of people, Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week was a, was a trigger for a lot of people to go down that path. Um, what, like, do you believe that, like, anybody can become an entrepreneur or were you kind of destined to be an entrepreneur to begin with? Like, did it just happen? Talk me through that. I'm reading a book called Personality, which is about the big five. And yeah, they're deconstructing that quite at length right now. Nature versus nurture. I think that there are certainly people that are more, I don't want to say destined, but inclined to be entrepreneurs you have to be risk averse Uh, you have to be good at the marshmallow test you have to have a big why you generally have to be by the way can you explain the marshmallow test for nobody for other people that don't understand it because this this is one of my favorite things to talk about 
Yeah. So there was a study done and it's used in a lot of success literature and self-development literature. And it was a longitudinal study, which means that it was, uh, they tracked students over a long period of time. And when they were very young, they put a marshmallow in front of a child and said, if you don't eat this marshmallow, when we come back in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we'll give you two marshmallows. So it's a test of delayed gratification. And that test ended up proving success by a bunch of stereotypical markers of success, more than IQ and more than uh, socioeconomic status of their parents, which are generally speaking two predictors of success. Uh, and that was, there's a reason why it's in so much of the success literature nowadays. Yeah, so basically if you can put off a marshmallow now for two marshmallows in 20 minutes, you're going to be more successful. <laughs> exactly. And entrepreneurs have to do that because another Simon Sinek, leaders eat last. And also I raise money for companies and the founders eat last. When there's an IPO or there's an exit, there's usually seven, eight layers of investors and VCs and rounds that all get paid first. Debt always gets paid first. And then Series C, B, a seed round, friends and family, preferred shareholders. Then finally, uh, then finally the the founders. So you have to be really okay with delayed gratification and knowing that at the end of the day, yes, there may be a higher upside, but as Gary Vee says, you're going to have to eat shit for a decade. <laughs> I love that man. I love that man. So. Uh, obviously moving forward, you become an entrepreneur, you start with copywriting and marketing. Why, why is that? So, you know, uh, we hear that as, you know, one of the, the, the top money-making skills in the world, you've got sales, you've got public speaking, you've got copywriting. Why is copywriting? I, I feel like copywriting and marketing is like the entry point for so many people into on, online entrepreneurship. Why is it so powerful? I think because you have to understand every facet of the business and you have to understand every facet of the avatar customer in order to write copy. So yeah. you're coming at it from the perspective of giving value to the person who has the problem. And you're coming at it from the perspective of the company's unique value proposition compared to its competitors in the market. So in order for you to understand those differences, you have to understand business at a fairly high level. And to understand the solution, you you have to know human psychology at a pretty intense level. And when you combine business and human psychology, and then with writing, there's no getting away from it. You can't. When someone has a gift for gab, and they're yeah. able to talk around an idea, eventually they'll get to the point, maybe, and as long as they're entertaining along the way, they might follow up. get get away with it. Whereas with copywriting, you really have to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, one, two, three, four, five in order, in order to take someone along the journey of do you have this problem? Are you have you been looking for a solution? Are these the solutions that have not worked for you? Are these the features that you're looking for? Are these the benefits you're looking for? Here's the answers to all of your objections systematically. And then here's the pros and cons why you should come you know, along the path. And so for to be able to, not every copywriter understands what I just said, but you know, a more advanced copywriter will, taking them 
along this very organized path to eventually get them to buy a product and hopefully then solve their problem. If you can do that at scale, it applies to to literally every business. So you can start a yeah. plumbing company, you could start a digital marketing agency, and you could start a consulting firm, you could start a social media company, anything. It applies to human psychology and, and business dynamics applies to everything. So I think that's why. And I think, I think that's really, that's really important to talk about because I think a lot of people when they're first starting businesses, they might say, you know, they might hear the whole idea of like, Oh, if you build it, they will come right. Start with the product, build an amazing product. But if you don't know how to walk people through that psychology of helping them realize they really need and want to buy this specific product over other things in the marketplace, you're never going to have a business, right? Yeah, 100%. And I would say that articulating why to an avatar customer, even in your own journal, will allow you to know whether or not you have a real business before you even bring it to market. Because if you can't, I am shocked by the number of entrepreneurs that when asked the question, why should I buy your product versus your five major competitors? they don't have a good answer. And yeah. if you don't have a good answer, the market is brutal and it you, will- You probably don't have a very good business either, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I always teach that business at its best is an exchange of value. It's a machine to solve people's problems. And so- I love that. Your, this is very Donald Miller. You're Yoda. All of your customers are Luke Skywalker. They are the heroes. You are just a guide. And so if you can't guide them to a solution to their problems in their lives, then you don't deserve any money. No offense. I like, I want to sit in that for a second. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of business owners right now. that are probably listening to this and they're thinking like, I built this business for me, right? Like I'm the main character here. And what you just said is it's a complete paradigm shift. It's, you know, you are not like, it has nothing to do with you. You're, you're the secondary character in this journey. And as soon as you realize that, that's when your business really starts to, to get some momentum. A hundred percent. The great, a great book is building a story brand. I recommend everyone read it by Donald Miller. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote a couple, a couple of great books, business made simple, marketing made simple. He's close to my heart. I've met him in person in Nashville and he started as a not a novelist, but but a memoirist, and then moved to business consulting. He's one of the lead business consultants. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a, a really successful memoir called Blue Like Jazz that was on the New York Times list for years uh, before he ever got into nonfiction. So I like his path, obviously, for myself. Uh, oh, that's but super- his whole his whole idea is very simple. Every single person who buys a product is buying the product not out of the goodness of their heart to give you and your family money. They're buying a product or a service because they have a problem in the real world. And hopefully they're buying a product or service that solves that problem. And so your job is to solve people's problems. And if you solve a very difficult problem, like I have a tumor in my brain, I will pay you a lot of money for that very unique skill set, right? Uh, Elon Musk, you're paid in direct proportion to the difficulty of the problems you're solving. So if you solve a very, very difficult problem 
for one person, they'll pay you a lot. If you solve a not so difficult problem, but you do it in a convenient way, then you have to go mass. You have to go scale, right? You have to go to the masses. And then you're playing a game of how many people can buy this product and how many times will they buy the product? And the point being, to come back full circle here, is that no one is buying the product for you and your family. Yeah. They're not, it's irrelevant. Literally every part of you and your life is irrelevant to them buying your product or service. Just think about it's, it. You yeah, never it's more, grow, it's more you like never, how, yeah, it's how good you are at solving their problem will allow you to, uh, will allow you to have goods and services for your family. Jonathan, last last question for you. You know, we're talking about we're talking about bringing value and the importance of bringing value with the businesses that you run. Um, and obviously, this is something that you've uh, done very well scaling companies like MentorBox, uh, retail e-commerce ventures, like you mentioned, buying companies like Pier One Imports. You know, during the pandemic, completely transforming them. Um, tell me about the the company now, Virtual Worker now, and what you guys are doing and how that's really bringing value to to the world. Yeah, I'm really proud of Virtual Worker now. We have about 400 employees, uh, about 100 clients. And we are a digital marketing agency, but we're full service. So what that means is we do organic social media. We do paid ad buying. We do funnel building, Shopify store build outs, uh, customer support on the back end. Uh, we do virtual assistants, executive assistants. So basically every part of the business that you might need, we have a department. Uh, and a hierarchy able to to help. So what ends up happening is someone comes in because they think they need graphics for ads and then they end up having 15 full-time employees with us because we end up becoming their back-end HR department. So, Yeah, and, and obviously, like we were just talking about, you know, uh, there's a lot of companies out there that might have a great product or a great service and don't realize all these other things that they really need help with. Uh, you know, the social media, the agency, the HR, payroll, like, operations, everything. So that's probably super helpful for them, right? Yeah. I think that what ends up happening is that entrepreneurs that they, Tony Robbins, who is the godfather of all of this. Uh, yeah. He says that the quality of your life is proportional to the quality of the questions you ask yourself. And I think a lot of time, a lot of times entrepreneurs don't even ask themselves the right questions. And so if you ask yourself the question, what are the three things that are really holding me back? What are my anchors? If I solve these problems, yeah. I'd be able to go a lot faster. What are the three things that I'm good at and I need to dig into even further? I need a bigger team. I need to double down on this. I need to do this twice as much, three times as much. And then List those out. Then ask yourself, do I have the team in order to do that, to eliminate the bad three things and to dig into the the, the really good three things, right? This is kind of yeah. the one thing by Gary Keller, success list, figure, picking out the things that have the, the most impact. And then if you don't have a team, you have to ask yourself, am I going to keep doing everything myself, which is not scalable? Am I going to hire an agency which is fairly expensive and often difficult. Am I going to hire a freelancer who has no loyalty to me and if they get a better job yeah. or in and out? Uh, am I going to hire in-house, which often I can't afford? And we're a nice alternative option where we offer full-time specialists 
but for a price that you can't afford. And so that's the niche that we've put ourselves in. And if entrepreneurs ask themselves that question, they'll come up with an answer. And instead of thinking, oh, well, I got to do it all myself or I can't afford it. We are an alternative so that you can afford it. I love it, man. And I think that's, that's super big, especially for a lot of like entrepreneurs that are, you know, they're, they're bootstrapping, getting things up and running in the beginning and really looking for that help. So I think that's really awesome what you guys are doing. One, one last question I have for you before we, we call this one. Uh, you know, I did, I did an interview with uh, JLD a couple of months ago, so I have his answer already, but, and I know my answer of why it would be, but you're in Puerto Rico. Why? What took you out there? Talk to me about that. <laughs> Total coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, do people know about the taxes? I, I don't know. This is why I'd love for you to share it. <laughs> okay. so capital gains is 0% in Puerto Rico. And uh, if you pass through your income, it's 4%. So I lived in California for a long time and was north of 50 uh, as, I'm, I don't, as I'm sitting pretty here, as I'm sitting pretty here in San Diego at like 51 or 52% exactly. or something. It's exactly. great. Phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, me and my wife, we came down here and tested it out. We live in a little enclave called old San Juan. It feels like mm. Europe. Uh, it's very walkable. Uh, we live on the ocean and we can walk to, cafes and pizza shops and brunch places and we don't have a car we just walk around everywhere i go running on the the water every morning so it's a beautiful place uh the u.s government incentivized uh entrepreneurs to come down to puerto rico and invest in the infrastructure and the economy of puerto rico and in exchange there's some tax advantages yeah i love it man i love old san juan that's a beautiful beautiful place so I'm pretty yeah. jealous. I'll have to come visit you at some point, man. Um, I think this has been stellar for, for a lot of our audience. Where can people learn more about, about you and where can people learn more about Virtual Worker Now? Virtualworkernow.com is easy. Just go there. It's a funnel. Every single button that you push on will tell you. To we'll take you down the process. <laughs> yeah. So it's, if it's not easy, we fail, but it's, it's pretty easy, I think. Uh, and then you can follow me on Instagram. I'm mostly... I only check Instagram. So, you know, J-O-N-A-T-H-O-N dot Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L. Beautiful, man. Thanks for this one. Looking forward to chatting more, brother. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.